Thank you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. I am Miss Shannon. Unfortunately, my regular co-host and podcast life mate, Mr. Jayton Satia, executive director of the Twin Cities Film Fest, is absolutely in the midst of film festing right now as we are recording um, about a month, about 30 days uh, before the festival is going to uh, break out into full swing. So I am flying solo again this episode, but that is okay because our uh, guest geek this week is someone that I've been waiting to talk to. I happen to have the universe line up and align in a way that I had a chance to meet this individual. So I've been excited to get him on the show. So Mr. Paul... Haga. Am I saying Haga today, Paul? Yes, you are. Okay. But we were talking before I actually cracked the mic that it's even in your lifetime, it's been pronounced a couple of different ways within yes, your family. Yep. So what's that story about? So uh, my my dad grew up, uh, my dad's in his 70s. He grew up saying Haga his whole life. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the 70s, my, uh, my grandparents, his parents went to Norway uh, to discover their roots, my grandfather's roots, and discovered that it's pronounced Haga. Okay. And the die was already cast for my dad <laughs> at that point, and we tried as a family for a while. But um, interestingly, my my wife is a fan of pronouncing it as Haga, and so okay. um, so we are really trying to um, to pivot back. It's tough for me, okay, you know, having say said Haga my whole most of my life. Yes. Uh, but d- pr- having our daughters pronounce it Haga and everything. So trying to stay true to our to our, our Norwegian heritage, I suppose. Wonderful. Now, uh, your kids are what age now? I have two girls. The, mm-hmm. uh, my oldest is seven and my youngest is two, just turned two. Okay. So the two-year-old, you're like right on that, okay, yeah. w- whatever we tell them now, this is what they're going to have. Yep. What does yep. your seven-year-old say? She's, um, um, she's, surprisingly fine with it like we've we started to to down that pronunciation road when she was pretty young so so most of the time she reminds me when she (laughs) says her when she says haga you know when somebody asks her name i'm like oh yeah that's how we pronounce it now right (laughs) right well i think that's really interesting when we're talking about um the way that we look at heritage where especially if you're a family that goes on that exploration process farther along, you know, kind of thing. Where it's like, well, let's look back from a historical context and see where we came from. That has to be interesting. And to go, oh, well, now that we've learned this, what are we going to do with this information? So how did you feel about that once you started uncovering and unwinding some of that? It, you know, it it oddly made a lot of sense pronouncing it that way because, you know, Lady Gaga doesn't say Lady... Haga uh, or Gaga, yeah. You don't say the Star it's Wars Saga. Yeah. Saga. Yeah. You say the Star Wars Saga. So I'm like, well, you know, that 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 makes a ton of sense to, to pronounce it that way, you know, in a in a funny way. Yes. Um, but it is um, interestingly, it's more, uh, it's more kind of paying homage to my my grandfather who was like, you know, very he 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 got very interested in his heritage. Um, and you know this was long before ancestry.com and right. 23andme and everything and um there's stories where they would they went over to to norway into trondheim the um kind of central norway trying to figure out where where our roots were from and he he went door to door like after they looked through the phone book trying to find people with our same last name and he knew the general area 
and uh, he met a few folks with um, shotguns at the doors because really? they thought he was like coming to take back his his heritage or his name. Interesting. And, and he's like, no, I just want to know where we came from. Right. So, uh, so that was uh, there's some some pretty pretty fun stories uh, from from that side of the family in in the 70s and 80s when they were trying to figure out where. And we 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 ended up Tracy traced it back, mm -hmm. um, and we found some short tail relations there that that are kind of of the same lineage. Wow, that's amazing! Yeah. And I know that you have you know based upon you know some of our guests, even though we're gonna go deeper into like some of the things that you are a very specific kind of geek about, you actually have a pretty cool day job too that at least kind of leans into some of your fandoms yeah. and your geekdom do. So do you want to share yes. a little bit about what you get to do during the day? I, I work for Star Tribune. I've I've uh, been employed at Star Star Tribune for about five years, and um, I I'm in the digital space. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing uh, what I refer to with a with a smirk, all the very creepy, cool stuff <laughs> that we get to um, experience online. So behavioral emails and geofencing and um, and uh, native advertising, sponsored content, all these ways that that we can target people um, while they're telling the internet what they're interested in. And right. from an advertising standpoint, it's really crazy and efficient. Uh, from a personal standpoint, sometimes you just want to break your phone in half. Right. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to be tracked that much, but it's just kind of the nature of where we live and what we do today. So. And it is always interesting to me when I, do succumb to an ad that's been following me around the internet because I looked at something one time and and you know it even makes me more cognizant of what my digital patterns are mm -hmm. you know someone that just likes the way you know knowing that there is some sort of oh marketing related AI out there trying to figure me out and and follow me around when you're working in that space do you sometimes go wow we're tracking people too much or people just aren't really aware of how much information they have out there so how do you balance that just as a human being that also has to live in the space you work? Right. Uh, it's oftentimes I lean into it because mm -hmm. I, I want to understand how it happens and how, like how uh, Facebook is tracking me or how my phone specifically tracks me. Right. And, and I lean into it. So, so I'm sort of self-educating when I, so then when I talk to my customers, I can, I can kind of give them a sense of uh, how c crazy and scary it can be. Right. Um, so in that sense, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've sort of opened myself up to it, but at the same time, I understand how it works so I can shut certain gates uh, off. You right. know, like you don't necessarily turn your full location services off or anything, but you can tell everything not to track you. Right. Um, and I think, you know, just just from a, a personal standpoint, we will hit a tipping point as a society where the wrong people or or, or powerful people will be targeted somehow digitally, mm -hmm. and and then laws will start being discussed right. on, on how we really ratchet it down. And you know, kudos to um, Apple and Google and Facebook. They they do try to keep the privacy, you know, pretty, um, you know pretty locked down there's there's ways still that um 
that I think are are kind of crazy in how we how we can target people. Right. But, but I I weigh it um, oddly because I've been in digital marketing for most of my career, and I weigh it in like efficiency patterns where if we if I'm talking to a customer and they only have X amount of money to spend, uh, like your co-host exactly. you know, promoting the film festival, yes, mm-hmm. we want to target very specific demographics. We want to target um, in- incredibly detailed behaviors and interests. We want to find that like cinephile, that that person that's that's really interested in 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 seeing movies and local films and things like that. And so in doing that, we tighten our audience very specifically Absolutely. and we, and we make the campaign uber efficient. And so that's, that's kind of the, the, the other side of it is I find that balance and, and um, satisfaction and being able to efficiently spend my customer's money right? and not just like shotgun approach, you know, I- where you just. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Like I know, for instance, like I really pay attention to that if I'm promoting, say, a comedy show that I'm doing that I know is in the Twin Cities. Well, if I'm going to run digital ads, then I do like that I can go, here's the keywords that I'm going to use. Here's the the, the area that I'm going to promote because it doesn't do me any good to promote it to all of Minnesota when I know that it's probably only going to attract people within this the, the Twin Cities area. If I'm right. doing something in New Hope, and so right. that part I do agree with you. It it and that part I I don't. Uh, it is one of those things that there's certain. I, I appreciate the fact that if I see an ad, I can go and say, "Don't ever show me this ad again," because right. Right. I don't care or I'm triggered by it or you know yes. kind of thing, like yep. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but then I also there have been times where I'm like, "This ad followed me around long enough from Instagram to this yep. to that." I'm going. You're right. I am good. Let me go buy these things, you know, yes. kind of thing. And so I do find it interesting and creepy the way that you said, where it's like, yeah, all right. You know, I, I do want to know about this new shapewear, you know, kind of thing. Yep. I'm like, yep. And I so I get it that it does seem I read one article where I felt like I only read one article, but that the I'll just say the AI, it could mm-hmm. go. Yeah, but you read about this subject matter a lot. You know, so right. you're probably yep. interested in that. And that part I do think is fascinating. Um, yeah. And I agree with you as someone that lives in this space. I kind of lean into it sometimes, too, because I go, well, I might as well lean into it because it's too late for me to right now tap out. Like, I right. I kind of been messing with it enough yeah. that I'm going, OK, I'm not making it really easy on you to track me. But right. it's too late for me to go live up in the woods of a bayou or like and try and go off the grid. I'm not going to do that. So I might as well figure out how to do it in the least intrusive, non-creepy way <laughs> in my life. In yeah. my life. They, they, I, I figure they already have my digital fingerprints. They, they, they know what I'm interested in. And they, meaning the AIs. Yes, exactly. Know, mm-hmm. um, not one dude. And right, his friends, right. mm-hmm. some guy that knows my name and social security <laughs> number and is just staring at a bank of computer screens, watching my every move. It's not that it's, you know, what I, I have encountered customers that are, that get really sensitive about it. And, and they're, they're on the other end where they've turned location services off. They've rendered their phones essentially useless right? other than, you know, listening to music or, or talking on the phone. And, and, you know, there are people that do get, fairly creeped out about it and right. then sometimes it's reassuring them hey they, they don't know that it's bob johnson at, at the specific address they know the address mm-hmm. 
and they know that that address is telling the internet specific things for geofencing, but they don't know it's you, you know, like that it's, it's not quite that deep, you know? Cause we do hear that maybe it's, you know, anytime I'm watching something is my phone watching me back and those yeah. kind of things. And, and since you are also back to kind of just the geek dumbs and the fandoms mm -hmm. in general, as a sci-fi fan who are, who I'm sure have seen all the dystopian content that we have out there and, and all the minority reports and the things that do, you know, look as though it is that detail. Like, even if we go back to, I, I'll bring up Max Headroom because I know that they're getting ready to do a reboot. How yeah. do you go, you know what, we're not there. But knowing that we could get there. Like, so how do you talk to people who are already like, nope, I already don't trust it and you guys are creepy. Yeah. Yeah, how do you know, as someone that goes, ah, I've probably seen all that stuff too. How do yeah. you not get so paranoid and worried about it? it I can't say that I don't. Fair I, enough. I've, I'm a huge lover of the series uh, Black Mirror. Yes. On Netflix. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the topics that they cover are only a few years away. And I'm not trying to be, you know, like conspiratorial about it or anything. I, You know, we will, there will come a day where there's chips in our bodies that mm -hmm. like, you know, people, people will do that freely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um and I think some already do. There was a, an article a couple of years ago about a company, I think in Hudson, Wisconsin, that wanted you to put a chip in your, in your wrist. Yeah. And that was your, like, you could scan your way into the building with that, right. you know, voluntarily. And it, I think that it's like steps like that. They're little baby steps. Right. And then all of a sudden everybody just has it, you know, and, and, and your car reads you when you sit inside it and it knows your heartbeat and i mean even the latest i uh, apple watch updates mm -hmm. are kind of creepy yeah. where it, it like from a female perspective it's it's like understanding your ovulation your cycle and everything and i agree that it is like tracking that and it's like it is so aggressively invasive and not only the sci-fi fan in me but the person like one thing you don't know about me but anybody else who's like close to me i grew up in the church like mm -hmm. super churchy um so i have like as much as i've picked and chosen which one of those routes i can't say just because of my upbringing that right. i don't still hear all that fundamentalist mark of the beastie things and i just have to go well, I can't believe we're here because I remember when I was a kid thinking and I'm like, we're not that old, Paul. So but yeah, I remember no. like the fact that we got here so fast when I remember reading stories, you know, when I was seven and going, right. but there's no way that we'd yes. ever be yep. able to do that. And we're like, nope, we could do that by next Wednesday. Um, right. So <laughs> that part, I think, is fascinating as well. Um, and I guess I'm just really willing to. Uh, run right up to that finish line and then not cross it just to see because it's we're gonna go there anyway yeah. i agree with you so. I'm, I'm i'm willing to i'm willing to cross the bridge when when it when i think when the time comes right for, you know, there's there's some things you know especially within black mirror where i mean you know like the boston scientific uh uh animatronic dogs going yes. going haywire you know things like that where it's like yeah that that probably could happen absolutely <laughs> Yeah, I or, have friends that work in AI, and I go, "You are creating Skynet, like the way that right. they're." And they go, yes. "No, but it'll be good." And I'm like, "It kind of never took right." Exactly, that's exactly <laughs> what I told them. They're like, "No, look, we're working into this." I'm like, "How many people have said that before you?" And it still goes awry. I'm like, "Yeah, how, how do you know?" You, haven't you seen Westworld? Right, all of these Terminator? things. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it always or the matrix like it, there's lots of ways that this can go awry and right. i like their 
fundamental optimism and yeah. a, a, uh, their their desire to continue to create and explore and imagine, even though people like you and I are going, this could go terribly wrong. And yeah. <laughs> and we have lots of reasons to believe it would go terribly wrong. And you're just, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they persevere with their positivity despite Absolutely. what Hollywood has told all of us for 50 years. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that that is incredibly interesting. Incredibly interesting. So back to um, your your the rest of your universe when you're not yeah. doing your day job. You're into a variety of what I'll say those core geek subject matters. But the other thing, and, and we can always have you back to talk about those other ones. But as far as my little group of people, um, I think that you answer a question that I get often because they go, oh, you're into Star Wars. Oh, you're into this. Oh, you went to the Renaissance Festival. Mm-hmm. Are you dressing up? And you get to say yes, yes. and actually look fantastic <laughs> because <laughs> you're super into the costume side of yes. a lot yeah. of these 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 geekdoms and these fandoms. And so how did you get into that side of things and what drives you to stay in that side of things? Um, so I, I think the the first memory of, I have of wanting to build a costume came from 1989. Tim Burton's Batman. Okay. Mm-hmm. The first time I saw Michael Keaton on screen in that Batman costume, and then the follow-up Batman Returns, which I actually, I I love that costume even more. Right. And have one sitting behind me, mm-hmm. um, in my home office. Um, that was the that that was the thing that broke my brain a little okay. bit. Okay. And mm-hmm. and that same year, well, not quite, maybe a a year later, the Rocketeer came out. Yes, and, I remember that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was this, you know, um this this sort of reluctant hero that um you know it was like an adventure serial and and you know he had the cool helmet and he had the jet pack and everything and it was like wow i that that is just really cool to me and so it was trying to make cardboard versions of that in my house in the early 90s right um ghostbusters was a big influence too and Mm -hmm. i remember trying to make a proton pack out of like backpack straps and (laughs) cardboard and everything and it wasn't until probably about f- 15 years ago now that I that I, I finally said, yeah, I think I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna take the leap and make like try to make a a Batman costume. That's right. always been my unicorn, mm-hmm. um, the Batman Returns costume. And fortunately for me and a lot of other people, there are some incredibly gifted makers right. that 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 have. Um, found access to screen used uh molds for the cowl and mm-hmm. uh the the um the suit pieces and everything and so basically it just is a money thing at that right. point and then once you get those pieces it's uh finding uh this is what my my friend Derek and I laugh about still to this day it's finding somebody who's willing to help wrap your entire body in <laughs> saran wrap uh while you put on a wetsuit mm-hmm. and then with super glue you, this is the saran wrap part because you don't want super glue like close contact to your skin it'll right. really inflame it. but like help to super glue and hold these like chest muscle pieces to this suit right. so you have to you have to be partnered up okay uh, to, that helped to, okay that's good to know because i was going to ask you like how do you build your skill set to be able to accomplish it, these costuming feats that you do there, there's a lot of mistakes okay. along the way. I mean, it's, it's totally a, a learn, a learn by do. And, 
And so that was um, probably, yeah, 15 years ago was my first um, experience with trying to figure out a costume. And a, a Batman costume is pretty straightforward, you know, gloves and boots and a cowl and the cape. And, right. uh, and the, the major work was just getting all of the the muscles, the muscle suit, like, mounted correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, um, I he helped me with mine. And then we wrapped him up in the saran <laughs> wrap. And we, we did he. And so I had a... I had a, a Batman Returns costume that I was working on, and that was right around the time uh, Batman Begins came out with okay. Christian Bale. And so he had a Batman Begins costume that um, uh, that he put together, and and that it, it was like this this bug and the itch that you got to keep scratching. Right. And, um, and shortly that after that, uh, the movie um, Dread. Yes. with Carl Urban mm-hmm. like the the uh it was in 2012 that came out and um and that was he and I kind of we were more like partners costuming partners where we would find something or talk about things that we were shared uh had shared interests and if you look over here my dread costume nice. is right there mm-hmm. um so we spent i don't know about a year putting putting those together and um and the goal was we got to meet carl urban in in the costumes at wizard world when right. wizard world was here mm-hmm. that um, has got to be really interesting the the exploration and the research that you have to do yeah. to go well how did they get that to look like that or how yeah. do i make one you know and so do you often is that one of the difficulties is going well we have a 3D printer, we have this, we have that, we can maybe make it, but figuring out the, you know, you can't just go online and buy a pattern a lot of times with these things. Right, no. Okay. Yeah, it, it, there, it's, you know, with, with, a, with a couple of those first costumes, it, 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 was, it was pretty, I, I would say it, it was easier because there's Facebook groups, there's mm-hmm. uh, RPF, Replica Prop Forum groups or, or threads where people have like started discussing and talking through the research and figuring out, um, are there found things, uh, you know, is everything totally custom made and, uh, like Batman dread was another one of those entire, like incredibly unique productions where as soon as they were done, they sold everything like at an auction and there were costumers that bought all of it. And oh, so there's okay. people that, that own the, the molds for the helmet from the production and all of the armor plate molds and everything. And so then they jumped into the costume space and started selling those. Okay. And, and so like my helmet has screen lineage, just like my Batman cowl has screen lineage mm-hmm. to one of the stunt cowls from Batman Returns. So it's it's like finding the right person that's got the right access sometimes. And then I don't necessarily need to get into this, but it like my brain has turned into this like OCD monster where I'm always trying to endeavor to be as close to screen accurate as possible. Right. And and so sometimes it's like, well, the helmet's not quite. So I'm going to, you know, try again, the paint color we got. to So that's a whole uh, rabbit hole that I've discovered in myself that I've, I've created a monster uh, for that sort of thing. Well, when you talk to your counterparts that are in this, do you consider yourself one that you just brought up the try to be as 
um, authentic to whatever the I, the item is. Are there other people that are expanding the costuming space? Or it's like, okay, this would be in the vein of or the world or universe of a thing. Is that how do people within the whole costuming fandom, how do you kind of silo yourselves? Um, yeah, I, I think th- like within each of the fandoms, there's there's going to be people that love to like mash costumes up and, okay. and kind of create their own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with Batman, there's a lot of people that like take elements of one Batman costume and others and like sort of smash them together and right. create their their idealized version in their own brain. Um, I've seen people do that with the dread costume, too, where mm-hmm. they they. Uh, you know they create a a completely different street judge you know that's not dread or not any of the other names but it's somebody different and you know maybe their suit is a little more disheveled or their helmet's got a nice big crack in it or whatever um that it's pretty prevalent too in the in the star wars space where people especially um with jedi costumes will will create their own identity uh and and um pilot costumes things like that where you kind of create your own your own character in this in this wide world of of characters because not everybody's a face character right you know you know there's not everybody's going to want to play han solo or princess leia or luke skywalker and troop that way with the 501st legion you want to be a background character sometimes, mm-hmm. or you want you want to be your own character in in and amongst the the face characters. Right, where you'd go, well, here would be the story that they would tell about this, right. and so yeah. you can have some of that. I can totally understand that. I I I told somebody just you know as a as someone who happens to be one of the BIPOC creators, I go sometimes I don't even like to dress up as certain characters because I don't want to encourage people to see human beings. As costumes, because sometimes I'm like, you get into this, that I think that's how we distance ourselves from the, the, the black face and the yellow face conversations Mm -hmm. is, is being able to go, well, you can be a character of your own making. So instead of being this character, you don't always have to be Han Solo. You can be somebody else that would be in the universe. Like I have a, I'm not Black Panther. I'm not a character, a specific character in Black Panther. I have an outfit that I call Wakandan royalty, or sure. or something like, yep. and those things. So I I can see why some people would go, nope, this is who I would be if right. I was here. I love the creativity of that too. What's yeah. been of all of the projects that you've done, Paul? Uh, where you're like, I set out to do this. Has there been one where you're like, wow, this was even more of a challenge than I thought? As someone who's knows that there might be a challenge. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, and I keep taking those on, okay. um, you know, where it's like, I'll get done with one where I'm like, whew, I'm so glad that's over. And, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, looking at it and being like, yes, that's exactly what, um, what I, what I expected it to be, thankfully. And then it's like, okay, what's next? Right. You know, uh, um, my proton pack, my screen accurate, uh, Ghostbusters proton pack was like at least 18 months in the making like painstakingly um, um, researching and, and trying to get the texture of the, of the, um, the, the black uh, parts just perfect. uh, Like it was on screen, finding the right little diodes and resistors um, to, to, to put on the pack. I, 
I bought a pack shell from this now defunct company called Anovos, and uh, it took them three years to ship it to me, which wow. was, that's a whole different story. It might require alcohol to tell uh, or discuss. <laughs> next time, next time. Um, but when I finally got it, um, it was beautiful, but it, it needed modification. It needed total, it was a kit, so it needed finishing. And then, yeah, that, that took me probably um, probably at least 18 months. But then I, I put in some fun additional stuff. I put in, um, they call it a smoker vent, where you can overheat your pack and it'll blow smoke out of it. Oh, wow. uh, and and then there's some other fun little nuances that I added. And, and, and a lot of that is, again, you're, you're, you're learning while you're doing. I'm, you know, picking up a soldering iron and trying to not burn myself and not fry circuitry. Um, and, and fortunately, it all worked out. Right, <laughs> but, but it's still, um, you know, it like you're still holding your breath a little bit while you're trying to like uh, solder stuff together. Because you're like, so, now I have to start all over again if I ruin right. this, yeah, or I melted yeah. the wrong thing and it or took I gotta this long. Spend another hundred and fifty bucks, you know, on the next uh, circuit board because I just fried this one, and that happens, you mm -hmm. know. Like, um, there's plenty of times that that you you make a mistake you learn from it and you move on um one of my favorite um you know uh, professional geeks adam savage very much yes. is is that way and and he's got a couple of tested videos where he talks about failing and failing hard and and then like recovery from that like you know kind of turning the other cheek and saying okay well i learned how i learned 20 ways how not to make this Hopefully, twenty-one is is the is the way that I'm going to succeed. Right, right. So, is there something about the process, or or what about the process is your favorite part? Is it the exploration, or is it the completion, or is there something in between? I I would say that that I I have enjoyment in in several of the different stages of of building. I really enjoy the research phase, like trying to figure out, um, I, I, I call them myself, I call them like recipes, okay. uh, where I figure out my punch list of, of the components that I need, figure out where to find them or who to buy them from. And then once I've created that, and it's just a spreadsheet doc that I create for each of my, my projects, then it's, you know, then you go through the buying phase and hope the, you know, during the research phase, you try to save up some money because you know you're going to be shelling it out for the buying phase. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you get it and you have everything all laid out in front of you, it's trying to figure out, all right, what's my efficient way of putting this all together? And, and then keeping track of all of your inventory yeah. while you're putting it together. That's got to, I could imagine that the acquisition phase and then yes. going, where's that thing? Right. That <laughs> I've, I've had, I've had to, um, and, and I'm a, a fairly orderly person, but I've had to find like order in ridiculous ways. Uh, let's just say targets like um, $3, you know, front section where they sell little boxes and bins and whatever that that has been my absolute savior because I, for each project I have, I have a tray that I'll toss everything into, or if it's a huge project, you know, bigger boxes and stuff. But that's kind of my collection right. uh, receptacle while I'm gathering everything. And then when the project's ready to go, I'll get that tray out and start, start building away. Um, and, and behind me, I don't know if you can see, but 
there's several uh, bins with post-it notes here, and it says proton pack parts, <laughs> um, imperial headset parts. You know, so it's it's it, I I try to stay organized because I, there's so much stuff just random stuff i feel bad for my wife and kids because if i like got hit by a bus tomorrow they'd have to figure out all this stuff <laughs> <laughs> they'll figure it out you yeah. just have to just put in your uh in your your all of your directives here's who to call to come get these things like exactly. kind of stuff so so they don't have, have to make the connections <laughs> I, I for for many many years before i i um got into costuming um charity costuming more of a um you know, like a full, not full-time, but as more of my full-time passion. Right. I played in bands in the Twin Cities uh, for probably 15 or 20 years. I still do a little bit, but uh, the joke that I have with my wife is, is that, you know, it's the, the guitar never costs or, or the, the price I gave you or told you the guitar costs is not the real cost <laughs> of the guitar. And so sometimes uh, that's the same thing in the costuming space. Oh, how much did you pay for that? Well, it's 50 bucks. 50 bucks. You and know. you're like, no, add a yeah. one. Add a yes. one at the beginning <laughs> or of two, that. Or, right. a, or two ones. But I also think that it's fair uh, when you're talking to your loved ones who may not have the exact same passion that you have. Like I told my younger sisters, I'm all like, look, Here's the way my will works. I'm like, nobody expects you to be into all the things I'm into. You go through and you find what you want. You make sure that my son gets to pick what he wants. If you get rid of it, I won't haunt you. I'm not going to sit here and go, wow, how come they didn't appreciate all of the things and my, all my, all my treasures (laughs) kind of thing. Like, cause they have their own and I totally understand that. So I hope, I'm sure that your wife and your kids understand. Yes. So I've had to say virtually the same thing where it's, it's like you keep whatever you, whatever you think is, is, you know, personal and whatever, but here's the three or four people that you absolutely need to call because they're going to, get you the best price possible for these things yeah you know don't just give it away at a garage sale no it's like this is this is this is this will at least help (laughs) with their life insurance (laughs) like this is the thing that i'm like this one is actually a thing not just you know me you know doing my uh, little mermaid thing in the bottom of the ocean and collecting things like this is kind of a real thing and so (laughs) and i've and i've had like sometimes i'll surprise myself and it'll give me pause because it like you never you you don't realize at the time how how much of an investment right some of these things actually appreciate to be mm-hmm. like my rocketeer helmet it's a the, disney made a master replica series of it it's all metal it's wow. perfect it's just like the film and i paid hundreds of dollars for it and now the thing is like add another zero and it's fantastic and, and so you know sometimes i'll just for grins look at ebay and go okay how's how are my stock options doing with some of these <laughs> right. like these these acquisitions i've made and you know that's an that's another we don't need to get into the mm-hmm. the, the philosophy of discussing um passions with loved ones but that's some of my justification to to my wife if she's like geez what what you bought another thing uh i'm like but i don't buy them stupidly i right. I, I, I buy things that that are never going to be devalued. Um, I have a a um, a Marty McFly uh, Iowa. I think that's how you pronounce it. His little his tape player. Yes. Uh, that he has mm-hmm. in Back to the Future, and they're they're ridiculously 
expensive now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I maybe got it for a couple hundred bucks, and now they're like fifteen hundred. But and it's a thing that was like twenty bucks when it was a real thing. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that, and, and, like, and that you're like, why did I wreck that when I was a kid? Yes. So. <laughs> so somebody that had it in their in their junk drawer and decided to get rid of it on eBay is like <laughs> cha-ching because they paid nineteen ninety nine for it and. In At a Walgreens or a Radio yes. Shack. That or something. Ben Franklin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So are you currently working on a new masterpiece or is, uh, you know, or do you have something that's percolating in your mind that you want to create next that we'll be able to see one day at one of our bigger cons? What's your, what's your passion right now, Paul? Um, I have, well, I have several irons in the fire. A few of them are... Uh, are Star Wars related? You can see this this one right behind me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already have a Force Awakens version of Kylo Ren okay. uh, that I've that I've costumed in for years. This is the Rise of Skywalker version um, with the cracked helmet and the cape and everything. So it is basically done. I just need to do some tailoring on it, um, and and then I'm going to uh, submit it for 501st uh, approval. So let's uh, back up and for if the people yeah. are not familiar with 501st, let's uh, educate them on that. Because if you're not in the Twin Cities, if you don't leave your house, you might not know what they are. So let's do that. So I'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. So the 501st Legion is um, is a is a international group of Star Wars customers. And it was started in the late 90s um, before. Uh, and I'm probably going to screw it up, but it was before episode one okay. uh, came out. And it was a few people that uh, incredibly passionate about Star Wars. And they made uh, some stormtrooper costumes to to go uh, and troop the episode one premieres. And from there, it 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 is grown into this this um, this worldwide organization, charity uh, organization. And it's endorsed by Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. And it has tens and tens of thousands of members to it. Um, I got into it almost as a, like a fluke. I, I, I wasn't really aware of, well, I was sort of aware, but I didn't really think about it right. in those days. My costumes before I joined the Legion, the five on first Legion costumes were just a thing to wear to wizard world or yes. to Falcon or to Crypticon or to convergence. Mm-hmm. And I was at Wizard World. I had put together a Force Awakens Kylo Ren, and the people at the Five Hundred First booth like stopped me. They came out from behind the table and they're like, "Stop, stop! Wait a second. This is amazing. We need to talk to you. We need more. You know, they're like they put the hard court press recruit uh, on me, mm-hmm. and um, and we talked uh, for a while, and and they, you know told me what the organization is all about and I was really um, interested and so I, I at that point I took my approval pictures and got um, uh, approved for that particular costume so from there um, I've I probably have trooped a, a, a hundred or so troops in the last wow. several years um, I think I in 21 was my fifth year anniversary and um the the five hundred first legion has a twin. It has the rebel legion as mm-hmm. the as as its opposite. So, um, the the moniker of five hundred first is bad guys doing good, where we do um, movie premieres, mm-hmm. but it's more it's more going to children's hospitals or going I was to the autism say, walk. Right, because you guys have joined us at the autism a variety of different autism walks, not mm-hmm. just autism society Minnesota and the Pacer Center, and watching 
the kids and the young people light up when they yeah. see these really amazing costumes. It's, right. you know, you can just see them like, oh my gosh, can I touch it? <laughs> like, it's right. it's fantastic. So thank you for everything and, that you do. Yeah, and, and that's, I think that is where I pivoted personally uh, from being just somebody that wanted to make costumes to, to, to leapfrog to the next event or the next um, thing into, I want to, I want to make these costumes so I can go and, and put a smile on somebody's face and, uh, and make their day, you know, we'll do uh, make a wish uh, type events, Um, all, all of that. And, and so the 501st Legion is the bad guys doing good, and and their their twin is the Rebel Legion, which mm-hmm. is the the good guys um, typically. Yeah. And and so I've gotten um, pretty inter- interwoven in, into both of those organizations uh, to the point where up until last year, uh, and my uh, my schedule didn't necessarily permit. On the 501st Legion side, I was um, um, part of the staff for our garrison, where oh. I would help to. Um, I would help incoming costumers get approved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they would send pictures in and I, the, the, uh, the, the title is garrison membership liaison GML. Mm-hmm. And I was part of a team where we would review the costumes and, and sometimes give feedback. Uh, hey, you got to change this. You have to lengthen or shorten this or, you know, dye this a different color. The, the, um, the requirements are actually really stringent for both um, Rebel Legion and 501st because of the connection to Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm wants those costumes to look like they walked off the set. Right. And uh, and they and do. So, They're amazing. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, if there is a negative side of that, it for some that that can't necessarily achieve um, the costume, they they think that the organization might be a little more elite. Okay. Uh, uh, and so I've I've heard that negative connotation before but it's it's not intentionally elite it's okay. you know you it's it's an aspirational like you have you have to you know punch your way up to to get to that level and and even within approvals there's levels there's mm-hmm. you know if you want to be a basic they call it a stunt tk or stormtrooper here's the recipe for that uh, here's the crl they call it and uh and then there there that has several levels up to centurion level they call it um where the the paint code is you know correct on the rivets and the straps are a certain way and you know like there's you can graduate within your own build to these next levels right um so it's it it, for my brain it it kind of feeds that ocd bug a little bit Mm -hmm. uh to to build these costumes um as as idealized as possible uh, and then, so I've started to mention on the rebel side, after I got my, um, my Kylo Ren approval, I had an opportunity from a friend of mine in Wisconsin to purchase a Chewbacca costume. Right. And, and I need, I was looking for a, a costume to, to, to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that, w- that has become one of the things, you know, that is is so fascinating to wear uh because it's hot mm-hmm. it, it you're on um 12 inch painter's stilts yes. under all the fur 
I have an articulated mask. I have a full uh, wow. voice system that I can push buttons in my fingertips to like emote, like, you know, all of Chewbacca's sounds. And so it's all this like heat and un- discomfort and pain in some <laughs> cases, but it's all washed away seeing kids and adults lose their minds. Like that here comes your character is in real four, life. Right. Yes. Here comes this seven foot four Wookiee and I see adults that are like, where, where is his, where are his eyes? That, his eyes are up there. I don't understand how that's possible because <laughs> right. they know that it's a guy in a suit. Right. But they can't figure out. It might as well be magic, Paul. Right. Yes. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. So, so I don't know how it works. You might as well be a wizard. And I think that that is amazing. Right. And I think that's a good pivot for us to, as you are um, advising uh, fledgling costumers or people that want to get into this fandom, how do you suggest they start? And and how do we go, you know, if, even if you can't, you don't have the, 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 the funds to do this, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, it, what can you do to still fuel that creative side and go, hey, here's, here's how you start and, and here's where you can go ahead and, and, and find your community if you want right. to do this kind of stuff? Well, I, I, I have a couple answers to that. So Star Wars is typically the most stringent or strict in, in how they uh, look at costumes, especially within the legions. Okay. But if you're a Star Trek costumer, if you're a Lord of the Rings costumer, you know, MCU, DCU, that have at it. Like yeah. there, there, is, there are no restrictions. And there, I'm part of a couple of other organizations like Costumers for a Cause in the Twin Cities. Um, there's a Ghostbusters group. There's a Lord of the Rings group. There's a fairy tale princess group. Um, and the, none of those have the, the requirements, I guess, uh, to, to be part of it. And within that CFAC, that larger CFAC umbrella, is what's called the Minnesota Force. Okay. And so the Minnesota Force is unique in that it it it's welcoming to all. You don't you don't have to have a costume. Mm-hmm. You can just come and hang out. You can be a handler. You can meet people. You know, we've had several people just show up to 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 get to know folks and ask a bunch of questions to 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 start building a costume, and. And conversely, we've had a bunch of people show up in costumes that they've made and people within the Minnesota force have helped them, you know, over months or maybe years to to refine the costume to get to the point where they can approve or get yes. approved. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of Minnesota force level events, um, way more than the 501st ver- uh, level throughout, you know, the Twin Cities and the state, you know, annually. So there's there's lots of opportunities for people that that are 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 passionate about joining groups like that, um, and I would say just look for you know the Minnesota Superheroes United or the Minnesota Force or the North Star Ghostbusters. Everybody's got a Facebook page nowadays, and and you can probably find us. I'm part of all those groups, so you can find me, and and I can point you in the right direction. Because I was going to ask you, what's the best way? Like, are you uh, should we uh, should we slip in your DMs on Instagram? Like, what what's the best way people just go? You know what? I heard him on this podcast, and I have a nosy question. Where do I start? Yeah, I, that's probably fine. Okay. Uh, that or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Instagram's probably the easiest. I I would I would bet. And yeah, I can, I can help point people in the right direction. Cause there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of access points, fortunately. Um, and it, it's, you know, 20 years ago was probably really difficult to figure out, you know, who do I talk to? How do I get this stuff? And now it's just, everybody has 
so great of access to um, materials, to 3D printers, to uh, you know different skill sets. I'll lean on some of my friends that I know are better at things than I am, and they'll lean on me for leather work or for uh, for 3D printing or something like that. So it 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 creates this really cool community in a way. Well, I absolutely love it. So we're going to make sure we put the uh, links to all of that in our description so they can find you out there. For anybody who wants to find us, we always appreciate your likes, your subscriptions, and your follows. You can find BR Geek Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email the show at brgeekshow at gmail.com. You can even leave us a, mo- a voicemail if you're old school. You can call us at 612-276-2774. As I said, please like and subscribe to BR Geek wherever you can find us. Also, you can find all of our information if you go to the Twin Cities Film Fest website. Go to TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. So, Paul, uh, I always say this, and I, I, I hope that you had a good time on our podcast, and you'll come see us again because I know there are so many things that you could be talking about. So how does that sound? That sounds great. We probably only scratched the surface. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. For everybody else, we appreciate you listening. We will run into you very again soon. Oops. Here we go. How about let's do this? We'll say that. We appreciate everybody listening. We hope you listen again soon because everyone's a geek about something. Oh.